passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock. And it is a very special edition of the show. Myself and W.H. Park are joined by Wei Ting for a special Wrestle Kingdom 13 primer. A big preview of Friday's show emanating from the Tokyo Dome. First of all, welcome Wei Ting. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be on uh, Post Wrestling. I think you and W.H. do a great job. Yes. W.H., a Merry Christmas to you and a Happy Holiday. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I've been on, uh, I'm on what, day six of my two week vacation from work. So uh, just relaxing at home. Basically, I'm not doing anything this uh, winter break except going to Tokyo uh, for Wrestle Kingdom next week. So it's been nice. So WH, in comparison to years past, where is your uh, excitement level for Wrestle Kingdom this year? And is this is this the deepest Wrestle Kingdom card? What are your kind of overall assessments uh, going into January 4th? I, I'm pretty excited about this. I've been excited about this since August, since the G1 finals, because, like, you know, the, the match has been set. The main event was set by uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi winning the G1, and then it's him and Kenny, which has been a protected match for a couple of years now. So it's a fresh match, in my opinion, and, like, I, I think it's a good example of you know, two generations of wrestlers, uh, two different philosophies of wrestling, and two very different people, you know, coming together in, in an awesome-looking main event. And Wei, yourself, uh, compared even to last year, um, the depth of this card, is this a significantly deeper card? Do you see th- this being the, the, the potential to be uh, w- one of the best dome shows they've ever produced? I think, like, in terms of interest, I might have been even slightly a bit more interested last year. And I think that was just for me coming in as a bit of an insider and with Omega versus Jericho as such a big international draw. Um, this year, I don't feel like you necessarily had that same maybe dream match type of scenario. But that said, you know, being a lot more familiar with the whole roster now, everything up and down this card looks tremendous. Uh, I would say overall, I think Wrestle Kingdom at this point just delivers such a a great type of uh, reputation attached to it that I'm almost interested just to see the event itself. And I'm sure every performer on this stage will be bringing their best. Just so, some numbers to compare. In 2017, they drew 26,192. That was the paid attendance uh, for Wrestle Kingdom 11. Then last year, it jumped up to 34,995. But the big Number last year was the increase in New Japan World subscribers that a lot of people put onto the shoulders of Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. This year, they're doing things a bit different because last year, it was even thrown out of, why don't we put this on pay-per-view? And they were adamant that they want to concentrate all of their business to growing New Japan World. This year, if you are in North America, you're going to have multiple ways to watch this. You can watch it on New Japan World Live. You can also order it on Fight TV if you don't have the subscription service. And then on top of that, there's going to be a two-hour edited version airing Friday night on Access TV, which will have the New Japan World English commentary with Kevin Kelly, Don Callis, and Chris Charlton, who will be calling this show uh, with those two. So, WH, do you see the attendance this year? Um Higher or lower than last year's number of uh, approximately 35,000 people? I think it's going to be higher. I, I really think that the big draw is like Tanahashi's story and like his kind of redemption from like kind of floundering in the like the middle part of the year, winning the G1 and then kind of building this kind of dream match with, with Kenny Omega. Um, I get a lot of like, you know, interest from people like overseas about, you know, coming to Tokyo, people asking me like, you know, tips about, you know, coming like tra- traveling around Tokyo and like what, what are interesting things to do besides going to watch wrestling shows uh, more so than I did last year. So I, I think there's a higher 
interest overseas. I think this is going to be a big fly-in show. Yeah. And do you, how much is being on a Friday night advantageous for this show in terms of the, the live attendance? Um, I think the walk-up will be a lot better because most people don't work on uh, Saturdays. Um, I don't know about people who are working in offices like because they'll probably not be able to come to the show until – like probably seven o'clock or so. Uh, so they might miss like the first two matches, which would be a shame if they missed the Ibushi Osprey match. But I think the walk up will be really good. I think pe- people can take like, you know, paid days off, you know, and a lot of people will do that around this time of the year. I, I think Friday is a bit better than like say a Tuesday or a Wednesday. But, you know, if it was a Saturday, no doubt I think they would draw a huge attendance. All right, well, let's get into the card. We're going to start from the bottom and make our way up with our our thoughts on the matches, uh, potential outcomes. It starts off with the pre-show. Gone is the New Japan Rumble, and in its place will be a never six-man gauntlet match uh, with the winners becoming the number one contenders to get a championship shot the next night against the Gorillas of Destiny and Taiji Ishimori at New Year's Dash. We have these following teams, Hangman Page, Marty Skrull, and Yujiro. Minoru Suzuki and the Killer Elite Squad, Hiroki Goto and the Best Friends, Yuji Nagata, who's replacing Michael Elgin, teaming with Jeff Cobb and David Finley, and rounding out the teams are Togi Makabe, Toru Yano, and Ryusuke Taguchi. Starting with you, WH, this kind of emphasizes the the depth that they have at the moment and a lot of big names that are being thrown into this kind of throwaway gauntlet match. Yeah, I mean, I, I've would rather use the word bloated for talk about the roster. I think there's too many people on this roster. I think they, you know, going forward, they need to rethink who they got to push and like what their priorities are. Um, I think if you look at up and down the card though, like it just goes to show you how many like, like Western wrestlers that they hire and put on their shows. It, it's, it's a lot. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing, but I, I think you you see like you know Yuji Nagata not being on the main show again. You, you see like there's no Liger on this show at all, which is you know stunning to me. Um, but I mean I I rather have this gauntlet match on the pre-show and not kill the momentum of the main show. And I I never cared for the New Japan Rumble, so I'm perfectly fine with this match being where it is. I was kind of the same with the the New Japan Rumble. I mean it was it had its novelty to it. Um, wait. Is there anyone here that really jumps out at you as as someone maybe you thought would have a more prominent position on the main card? Completely, I think Minoru Suzuki. You know, just judging by the first half of this year that he had, I think um, he was kind of, to me, destined to be a real featured player, um, at least, uh, you know, peaking at, at the big show at the end of the year. So I, I guess it might just be a case of, you know, odd man out with him not really having any other program on this card. Um, but... Uh, I, I I think I prefer this format as well, just because I think we have a bit more of a promise of a solid, good matchup um, rather than, you know, the Rumble, which just kind of tends to be more of a, I guess, uh, cameo spot. Yeah, I don't see this one being where they're just going to race through falls. I imagine this being, a you know, a 20, 25 minute match um, between all of the uh, different eliminations. I guess beyond Minoru Suzuki, uh, maybe Hangman Page, just because he was featured so prominently in the G1, but also didn't have a, a big program either that I guess you can understand why he's thrown into all of this. But yeah, that is where you will be starting the the pre-show. And then we move on to the main card. And it is going to kick off with Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay, who might be, we might be stating after January 4th, had the greatest opening match to a major show of all time. Wait. Man, it's like I feel like it's it's kind of rare that that we have expectations going in as high for any match as, as they are for this one. So I would almost feel bad if that's that's you know not the case and these two only have maybe a four and a half star match rather than you know the six star classic that I think everybody's imagining it to be. Nonetheless, um, I I think anything less than four stars would be incredibly disappointing. So I think guaranteed you're going to get um, certainly a match that will be talked about quite a, quite a lot afterwards. I think being in the opening spot, they're going to have the most lenient of expectations as well because people are going to be just jacked watching this show. I, I think this match is going to be off the charts, and and I think people are going to love it regardless of um, 
how great it is. Uh, WH, how do, you, how do you feel about the positioning of this? And is this the smartest uh, position for this match to be starting the show? Um, I don't know, because I think if they get like 15 to 20 minutes, they're going to have an amazing match that I can't see anything else on this card possibly topping as far as like in ring goes, except for possibly the main event. Um, I think it's smart to like start off hot. Like I, you know, I've having gone to wrestle kingdoms live myself, like a couple of times before, you know, you get the, you get the, the IWGP junior tag four ways and stuff like that. Those are okay. But you know, people don't really get into it. I think starting off the show this hot is a good thing overall. But I can see where maybe other people on this on this show are probably like, oh, I gotta follow that. I mean, the the junior tag team championship match, those guys got to be like thinking, how are we gonna follow these guys? They're gonna do everything. They're gonna kill themselves. Ibushi just might jump off of everything. So you know, I don't know how you're gonna follow that up. How, how much WH would you say? Like, um, how full would you say the the Tokyo Dome would be by this point of all the people that would eventually end up being there for the main event? So they open the doors at three, and then they're going to start the show at five. So if we're talking the pre-show is – bell time is five o'clock. So I don't know if that includes the pre-show or is the pre-show going to be four o'clock. Um, I think it's smart. They have this two-hour window for people to get in to the show. I think you're going to see people like start lining up at two and just wait mm-hmm. for the doors to open. I, I I don't see people having a problem getting in. I think they're probably going to open as many doors like outside to get into the building itself. And they'll probably have clear mark, you know, markings and signs saying this is for this section. This door is for this section. Um, They have a lot of staff on hand, like Tokyo Dome staff. So I don't think it'll be that big of a problem to have a very full like Tokyo Dome for this match. This is also our first of eight title matches on the show with Kota Bushi defending the never open weight championship uh, Wade, do you see this as Will Ospreay's ascension into the heavyweight division further by winning the championship? It seems to be the whole point of the storyline, isn't it? I mean, obviously, other than the you know dream match itself, but uh, I yeah, I do see that. Uh, and then opening up Will Ospreay to a whole number of uh, other opponents in that upper echelon. I would say that the 2019 could be an unbelievable year for for both of these individuals, WH, but specifically Will Ospreay, and I. Definitely see him winning this title. Uh, me too. I I think 2019, you were going to see him in the New Japan Cup. We're going to see him in the G1. And if things go well, I mean, I can see him either semi-maining with like against for the IC title next year or possibly, you know, we'll see how he does in the G1. Maybe he'll, he's going to get the title shot at 2020. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's going to be Naito versus Okada. So I think the highest he'll reach is probably IC title against who knows who the IC champ will be at that time. But may, maybe Tanahashi, maybe Okada. I think that'd be a good match. Okada versus no, no, wait, Okada's going to be the main event. Uh, who's left? Maybe Ibushi again, or if Omega's still around, Omega for the IC title. Next up is the three-way for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles with uh, Suzuki Gun. Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado defending the titles against Rapongi 3K and Bushi and Shingo Takagi. This a rematch from the finals of the Super Junior Tag Tournament back in November, which was a very solid final. And uh, they're they're coming back here with the championship match. Um, I guess WH, I think that this is one that certainly is, these guys are going to have their work cut out for them following what they are on a card like this. But I am also intrigued to see what they do it just time might be their enemy on this show. Yeah, I don't see this getting more than ten minutes. To be honest with you, I don't think juniors get enough, you know, spotlight at the dome. So this is going to go 10, 12 minutes. I think Rapongi 3K is going to win. I think Bushi's eating the pin, and then Shingo is going to, you know, I think they're moving Shingo straight out of the junior division. I, I can see him possibly doing the best of the super juniors, but I, I think they're ready to just mainline him right into the heavyweight division after this uh wait uh do are you leaning any particular way of uh either what your expectations are for this match or who you see coming out with these titles if it even matters to be quite honest of who is champion after this i mean of the three teams i i, I mean obviously i feel like lij is sort of the only one that uh a championship reign would really mean anything with the other two it, it would do nothing 
I would say. So um, that's who I'm going with. I, I find it interesting that they they would continue to put this match in this spot, considering that, you know, I, I think Obushi versus Osprey could very well just be a, another cruiserweight match. So similar stylistically, you know, that type of fast paced, uh, uh, um, you know, junior heavyweight style. I wonder what if this would have been the best spot for us or or if you would have put Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. in this spot just to give the crowd a bit of a come down. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see what these six do to to change things up, perhaps if they are forced to. Chances are they'll just kind of continue to have the match they're going to have anyway. And I think we'll all still enjoy it. But um, I'm kind of curious how like the flow of the show is going to be in particular between these two matches. And just the final thing on this match, WH, when it comes to Rapongi 3K, where do you see being the, the ultimate destination, especially for Sho Tanaka that I know you have been very high on and has this past year uh, accelerated those those expectations or maybe decreased them even uh, where do you see Rapongi 3k being in 2019 and beyond well the reason i say they're gonna win the match is i don't think bushi or shingo takagi need the belts to be quite honest like i i don't think the junior heavyweight division is where takagi's ultimate destiny in new japan lies i can and I, like i said i think he's gonna go into the g1 this year as well um kanemaru desperado or just kind of there I, they're the champions i see all the titles changing on this show to be quite honest with you um show i think has been like kind of you know kind of you know i don't know plateaued kind of since the best of the super juniors final and i think getting the belts him and Ye, him and yo are gonna just get you know, you know get a bit of a push in the tag division but i think this is his year for winning best of the super junior and getting pushed as a single star in the junior division and then the year after that we'll we'll see him probably you know put on some weight and then get pushed as a heavyweight as well you realize that you have put the curse now on shingo takagi with i think this guy is going to be in the g1 next summer oh really yeah that's true no he's gonna go there's no way look at his match with shota amino that was a heavyweight match. There's no way they're, they're going to think, yeah, he's going to be a we'll keep him in the junior for a while. No, he's he's getting moved up very quickly. Yeah, the junior division is is interesting as we'll get into it with a uh, with Kushida's match later. But following this is uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Zack Saber Jr. for the British Heavyweight Championship with Rev Pro being represented on the Tokyo Dome show. Uh, I, I'm expecting something very much different from Kota Bushi and Will Ospreay in this one. Uh, I, I think this is one of the more standout matches on the entire card that I'm looking forward to. Um, Way, let's let's start with you. Yeah, me too. And you know, for the most part, I think I, I, I'm I'm total agreement with WH about all the title changes. But this is one I could see, you know, where where Ishii retains, uh, just because it's for a rep pro title, and also I know that uh, he might continue to to uh, you know be a, a featured attraction at rep pro shows. So. Uh, it's almost, it almost doesn't matter to me because I think I just want to see a really, really fantastic matchup. To me, Zack Sabre Jr. has been one of my favorite wrestlers over the past year. Uh, and I think you'll start to see, you know, in this particular match, an incredibly hard hitting style with, uh, some, some fantastic technical wrestling as well. These two have also had four singles matches and they've split them. Uh, Zach has won both their G1 matches in 2017 and 18. And then Ishii has a win over him from the G1 special in July of 2017 and also defeated him this past year at WrestleMania weekend, which was a show we were at, uh, where he won the Rev Pro title for the first time. Um, WH, your thoughts on Ishii and Zach Sabre Jr. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm more excited about the Rev Pro British Heavyweight title match than I've ever been about the NWA title being defended on these shows. Then we move on to the IWGP tag title match. We have the Gorillas of Destiny on their fourth reign, taking on the Young Bucks and Evil and Sonata, our first involvement of the elite members on a show that um, maybe there's going to be a lot of discussion if there is any announcement to be made prior. Um, but another three-way on this show that I, I can't say I'm I'm dying to see uh, multiple three ways on this show. Um, I'm sure this match is going to be fine. Um, it's probably just simply in comparison to some of the other stuff on this card. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not digging this match. Uh, to definitely not of the the higher end of this show. But way, tell me why I'm wrong. 
No, I mean, I have to say for my, myself, too, just looking at, at, at the at the depth of this show, uh, card, I think this is probably, to me as well, maybe the match that I'm looking forward to the least, simply because I feel like we've seen this combination of guys pretty often. Um, I think, you know, the Bucks being in there, they'll tear it up anyway. I think uh, G.O.D. and and uh, Evil and Sonata um, are are fantastic. So I think these six will have a great match, but I would just say on paper doesn't look as attractive. And I think going, uh, coming out of it, um, maybe a little bit difficult for me to, to pick a winner between, you know, GOD and LIJ. I don't think it'll be the bucks, but um, I, I'm, I'm for me, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll stick with the champions retaining here. WH um, having this three way on this show. Um, do you expect any, any surprises involving any of the elite members? Um, no, I think this is kind of like their curtain call, like what happened at uh, Final Battle for ROH and all the elite people. Um, I think Sonata and Evil are probably going to get the titles. I think Sonata is going to get a big push this year coming up. Um, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, you know, they're, they're fine champions. I, I will say, like, I don't like Tanga, Tamatanga by himself as a singles, but I, I like him fine in Girls of Destiny. And if they retain, that's fine. But I just think it's going to be like, Sonata's here. I think he's going to get the pin. He's probably going to pin Matt Jackson, probably hurt his back or something like that. I don't know. On paper, it doesn't excite me, but I sh- I think if it's like a 12-minute sprint, it'll be fine. It'll be a very enjoyable match to watch live. Yeah, I expect it to be good. Um, I just don't know if the- by the end of this show, this will be one that everyone points to. But uh, sometimes the-, the Young Bucks have had those kinds of performances that they're able to uh, stand out by doing very different matches and not trying to uh, replicate anything before them or even after them on this card. But I, I think everyone is going to have an extra bit of curiosity as to how the Young Bucks and Cody are booked on these shows uh, just for whatever clues they're searching for if nothing is announced uh, before January the 4th. And that naturally takes us into the IWGP United States title match as Cody will be defending the title against Juice Robinson. These two faced off at Wrestle Kingdom in 2017 and again at Fighting Spirit Unleashed this past September. Cody has won both those singles matches and has been on the winning side of every interaction he's had with Juice Robinson uh, over the past two years. Way is this Juice Robinson's big championship win at the Dome? Yeah, I think so. You know, just uh, I think seeing the year that he's had um, I really do think it's time. And also the fact that he's going up against Cody, who, like WH mentioned, probably somebody who might have a bit of a curtain call situation, go, uh, uh, you know, heading into the show or coming out of the show. I mean, so, you know, while I would say technically, you know, I'm not necessarily expecting the big the, the best match or, or even near it from this show, uh, from this particular match, I think in terms of a storyline, I think in terms of a crowd interest and in terms of like storytelling i i do expect quite a bit from this i'm a little disappointed that we you know much like uh, many of the elite members on this show uh we haven't had a ton of interaction between these two on tv in particular cody i can't i mean i'm, I'm having a tough time even remembering the last time he was on new japan television so um i'm a little disappointed that we didn't really get much of a story going into this because i feel like a lot could be could be told here between you know juice being trained by dusty and uh, just uh, everything that's going on with Cody himself. But um, I would say the match itself, I think, could be a bit of a, a breakout uh, for, for Juice, absolutely. So, WH, what are you seeing with Cody and the Young Bucks specifically? Uh, not, not even including Kenny Omega. Of, do you expect them not to have any presence with New Japan beyond the, this week? Um, I would be surprised if they stick around. Uh, I can't imagine, like... If all elite wrestling is a thing and like New Japan wants to think about who their U.S. partner is going to be, I can't see them abandoning ROH because I think they have a good relationship with ROH. And if all elite wrestling becomes a thing and they go into partnership with New Japan, like they're going to want to be equals. I, I can't imagine them wanting to be like the sidekick or the little brother in that relationship. And I certainly don't think New Japan is going to be like thinking of them as equals. I think with Ring of Honor, they think of them as Okay, you're our partners in the US, but you're not on our level. You depend on us. We don't depend on you. Whereas I think the the elite would be I think their egos are very healthy where they're gonna say, Hey, we're not your sidekicks. You are our partners. We're we're not the subservient person in this in this relationship. I don't see that happening. So I think they're gonna stick with ROH. I don't see them partnering with a promotion that is essentially going to become 
their competition in North America and maybe in the UK if they start branching out there, like in terms of television, in terms of like booking arenas, in terms of getting talent. Like that's the big thing I think we're going to see is this big talent war, you know, happening in the, in the UK and in the United States. So I don't, I don't see them doing any business with all elite wrestling in the future. Um, I think Cody's, you know, he said he wants to do the G1. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and I don't think, honestly, even if he got centered, he got put into it, I think he get injured in it. I don't think he could survive the G1. And I, I like Cody enough as a wrestler. I think he's a very talented person. I don't think he has what it takes to survive extended like tours if Japan like working something like the G1. So it's I think this is his swan song. I think Juice Robinson is going to get the belt. Um, personally, like I don't care about the, the title. I hate the U.S. title. I don't really care about Cody in New Japan. I like Juice well enough, but he looks like a dork recently. So like I hate his fucking gear. So uh, I'm hoping he's debuting new 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 gear. Like nothing that makes him look like a goddamn Christmas tree, please. Uh and yeah, honestly, this is the piss break. This is where I'm going to go get a beer. I'm going to go take a piss, whatever. I, I'm not, I probably not going to watch this match live. I'll watch it. Oh, you're you're definitely there. getting blocked by, by someone involved in this match. I think someone's <laughs> well, going to join Well, it's not because he doesn't have Twitter. So. Oh, that's true. That's true. So that leaves one suspect left. You know, it really shows you that like whatever all elite wrestling uh, becomes or is announced. Obviously, there's there's many questions, and those will somewhat be answered at, at some point. But you look at the landscape. Like, let's say in theory, the Cody that Cody and the Young Bucks they have just wrapped up with Ring of Honor. They are in theory wrapping up with New Japan. They have nothing set for WrestleMania weekend. Like, there are a lot of questions here that are of potential guaranteed income that they are leaving on the table for this this potential startup. I think they have guaranteed income from like the backers. You know, if it's the Khan family, like that, that's guaranteed income right there. Like they're probably going to be paid not to work anywhere else except for, you know, the debut of Ollie the wrestling. If it, if it actually happens. And when do you see that first show happening? How, how long will these guys be satisfied being paid and not having any kind of creative outlet? Well, young bucks seemingly like to spend time with their families. Like, can imagine they're gonna enjoy like not going on the road for a while uh cody i can see cody doing stuff with you know like doing indie shots here and there but nothing like major um hangman page i don't know um what he what his thinking is i can see him doing indie shots as well for a while i don't know when the, the debut will be like i'm thinking spring of this year maybe after mania who knows i can see the incentive of, of cody and the bucks like going down that pathway I think Hangman Page leaving New Japan, I, I think that's a, that's a big risk on his part. I agree. I think Hangman Page would have been pushed like to the top in both ROH and he would have been pushed. So I think his is the most you know riskiest like you know, ch- chance he's taking by going with them. But we'll see where it goes. Like he's going to be pushed top of the card as well. Like if if Kenny leaves and he joins, he's going to be pushed as the top guy in the company and i think hangman page and cody are right behind him like i don't think like jericho's gonna be super like you know at the top of the card i think he'll be like a mid-card guy but s- save a program with him and omega to like headline whatever their first major pay-per-view will be a- any thoughts on that in, in in general way um just where you see kind of the the the, the wind blowing for those three yeah. in particular cody and, and the young bucks i mean it's it's a lot of simply guesswork at this point. I mean, we Com- we don't know what they're they're committed to. Completely. I mean, I, I certainly feel like uh, as a startup, they really do need to rely on working with other people. You can't just really have a promotion with, uh, you know, the, the few members of the elite plus SCU. So uh, I, I just feel like maybe we're all overestimating their ability to be an actual kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, contender against the likes of an ROH or uh, especially in New Japan. So I, I feel like they're going to really have to try to rely on, on the relationships that they've all formed with other promotions. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm curious to, to see, you know, if like WH suggests that they might be trying to bargain with themselves as an equal to New Japan, which um, I, I guess in terms of talent, uh, Maybe they feel like they have uh, justification for, but, but it's hard for me to see, like in terms of in- infrastructure, how they could compete with 
the the touring uh um i i guess uh um you know um or or the organization the merchandising well i guess the merchandising they kind of have that but uh everything else i feel like it's just way too big of a task for these few people to take care of that they would wouldn't you know be looking to to reach out to 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 ask other people for help uh continue continuously so i i feel like mania you know certainly feels like a perfect time to announce or or at least to to have a first something mm-hmm. uh that's when i think there's most most attention on wrestling but at the same time i think you know there's no shame in taking your time with it even if it means half a year that might be a little bit long but they're looking to build something from the ground up here and i think taking too much time to to make sure that it's right is better than rushing to do a shitty job out, out the gate and any discussion of all elite wrestling with new japan like we we have to include what is the biggest the, the biggest leverage is the decision that that kenny omega makes i mean that's that's mm-hmm. an enormous that provides a lot of leverage for all elite wrestling if he is connected to those guys and and willing to um and and willing to to bargain with with new japan like that be, that is the power player in this whole equation and we'll get to that more in the main event but following the u.s title match is the iwgp junior heavyweight title match as kushida defends against taiji ishimori and wh you are predicting another title change yeah i think ishimori is the guy who's gonna win i think this would have been um hiroma's spot if he didn't get injured it would have been him and ishimori um or him and kushida I like I don't see like Kushida as being like the guy to go forward with the division in 2019. His contract's coming up. Who knows what he's thinking? There's feelers out there from the WWE apparently. So if he's gonna want to go, I, if he if he goes, like this is the time he ha- he has to go now because he's like in his mid 30s. He's not getting any younger. I think he's done everything he can in New Japan as a junior. If he wants to go to WWE for a couple of years, even if he's not used very well. It'll still be a big deal, like you know, like all the, the the media here will treat it like a big deal, even if he's only on two or five live. So when he comes back, you know, if he if he goes to WB, he's going to be treated like a big star, and he'll, it'll freshen up whatever division he ends up going to, probably back to the junior division. But I think he's probably going to leave. He's going to lose the title. He's probably going to leave, and I think it's not a bad thing, to be quite honest with you. Way, if Kushida called you up on January 3rd and said, Hey, pal, I've got a potential <laughs> offer from the WWE. What do you think I should do, Way? Um, I would tell Kushida to, uh, hey, um, I would ask him how he got my number, first of all, because, uh, I don't think we've ever, uh, made contact like that at the same, uh, yeah, Ta- uh, Tana- Tanahashi, uh, Got a glimpse of your your phone when he was watching you record an interview, and he and he was able to get the digits. That's right, of course. Yes, back in that ROH show. Uh, yeah, I think um, I you know certainly like I would be interested to see how he's treated in that environment. Um, I think now is probably the best time ever for somebody like a Kushida to enter that WWE system, in particular NXT, where I think he'll. Excel, I think seeing, you know, how they've, I, I would, I would say like, I wouldn't go by really, you know, how, uh, your Hideo Itami's of the world have kind of been treated in the company. I think Kashida's a far better wrestler at this point than Hideo Itami is. And I think he will be treated, uh, as such, you know, being in the mix in there with, with the likes of like a, like an Ola undisputed era and whatnot. I think he will be a featured player in an NXT. And I think that could easily translate into a main roster, but, um, I do think size will hold him back, um, you know, from reaching maybe that that higher status, especially on the main roster. So uh, I, I would say it depends on what his options are by staying in New Japan. I, is size going to be a factor for him even staying in New Japan? Can he be put in the mix as a heavyweight with uh with you know your your Okadas of the world? And I I I have doubts about that. So at this point, I would say why not take the risk and go to the WWE and see what happens. I would love to see Kushida go into the heavyweight division. I, I think that the junior heavyweight division, to me, it's it, it, it's fine for a period. And I think Kushida has 
more than outgrowing it, pardon the pun. And you have so many fresh matches with him that I, I do feel New Japan is his best bet for long-term success, uh, but it's not in the junior heavyweight division. I think, you know, the, the, we come back to that whole idea that their their roster is so loaded. Like, I don't know where he would fit in there. Like, I would love to see him. I've, I've championed him being in the G1 for many years now. I But I don't see them, like, moving anyone else aside for him to move into the heavyweight division. Um, I think he'd have to, like, you know, noticeably bulk up a bit. That might, you know, curb tail, like, some of his more athletic, you know, wrestling moves. But I, if he went in there, like, as a kind of more – as a submission wrestler, I can see that being uh, something that can be his pathway to success in the heavyweight division. Um, the other option that I would think of is, like, if he wants to stay with New Japan, like, as a contractor wrestler, but he wants to wrestle in the United States, I would I would ask – you know, I would say to New Japan, like, send him to ROH, have him bolster up their roster, like, and then parachute in for, like, big shows uh, in the New Japan calendar. I think that would probably be the best of both worlds. If I was Ring of Honor, and you know what? They've been pretty aggressive when it comes to adding names to their roster and trying to get the narrative away from the elite is gone to, hey, look at look at some of the shiny new toys we've acquired. I would certainly be trying to further my relationship with New Japan and stating, listen, you guys have way too many people on your roster. How can we make this work? Like a David Finley is doing nothing in your company. Give him, give him to us for six months and we, we can book him domestically and do something with him in six months. And it goes for a number of guys that there's just not enough room. I would argue like a Shingo Takagi going to the heavyweight division. I worry he would get lost in the mix as well, just because it's so, it, as you said, WH, a bloated roster that Ring of Honor could benefit from that greatly, from the the excess talent that you have to get talent away and freshen them up, and then they can return with it when New Japan has a solid idea in place, instead of just throwing guys into these multiple-person matches for every big show. Yeah, I think if Kushida wants something to freshen up his career and he wants more challenges then he should think about, you know, going to ROH as a possibility. But, you know, if the, if the offer is there from WWE and I, if I'm him, I don't want to go to main roster. I just do, just do NXT, maybe get onto 205 live and then, you know, get noticed there. Who knows? He's a very interesting person to look at in 2019. I think we'll see what happens at the end of January. Now we get into the big three, starting off with Kazuchika Okada and Jay White and, this is the first time Okada has not been in the IWGP title match since 2012. Quite the stretch. And this is a rematch from last year's G1, or this earlier, uh, this past summer's G1, where Jay White won on the opening night. And of course, this follows Jay White joining Chaos a year ago, but with the caveat that he was coming for Okada one day. And that one day is January the 4th way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, you know, this whole year has it, it's made for a really well told story between the two when you kind of lay out the whole scenario on on, on paper like that. Um, I'm I'm expecting a lot from this match, uh, obviously from Jay White. We know that, you know, Okada's reputation is but like I think Jay White coming off of, I would say, you know, a pretty disappointing performance against uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi last year. This is his chance to really redeem himself and to really kind of come out as a featured player. He's been given, you know, he's been pushed to the moon with this Bullet Club uh, 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 thing. So I think he really it's it's on him to have an amazing performance, a show stealing performance in this match. Is this one of the biggest, um, you know, potentials, uh, WH, for a guy to truly cement himself um and counter to that i mean a somehow disappointing performance from jay white does that significantly alter all the plans that they have put behind him i I think that there's a lot of pressure on jay white in this one uh i think last year's performance was hampered by his you know like being uncomfortable in this new character that he was given it was his first time in the dome He's in a high position with Tanahashi. I think in the since then, this past year, he's become more comfortable with his with himself as a performer. I think he's like gained a lot of confidence. I think he's going to have a really really good match with Okada. I think this is Okada's match, though. I think he has to like get a big push going into 2019 because I truly believe that the main event of 
Wrestle Kingdom next year will be Okada versus Naito uh, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Jay White will be up there, but he's still really young and he's still like kind of you know fresh in the business. So I I don't think there's like a rush to push him super hard. I see him going more of like the the Prince Devitt route where like he's getting. The push, the push, the push. Okay, eventually, okay, you're going to be the leader. I can see him not being the leader of the Bullet Club, maybe forming his own faction. But really, I think Jay White's really, his ascension to the main event has to be as a babyface. I think he's a natural babyface. I don't buy him as a heel. He screams a lot. I think it's off-putting. I I don't like him as a as a heel. I really liked him when he was a young lion. I liked what I saw of him in ROH where he was a great babyface. So I'm I'm hoping like down the line when he's ready he's it's going to be as you know uh, on you know, without the switchblade character that'll be his like great muda gimmick that he pulls out once in a while and he'll become Jay White like super fiery babyface again but uh, I'm also hoping that you know it's been a year since you know Okada debuted the Long Boys uh, I I think it's time to retire those pants <laughs> if you know like uh, or go to like tights. If you guys had seen, like, the My Dad's a Heel Wrestler, he's a character in that movie. He has, like, these tights. Like, they're not the baggy pants. They're, like, regular long wrestling tights. He looks so good in those. I'm like, please, switch to those. Switch to those. And Jay White as well. I don't like Jay White's gear because it looks like he's wearing jeans, which I think is a terrible look for wrestling in 2018. So I'm hoping he's going to modify his look a bit. Usually Wrestle Kingdom is, is the time of year where people, like, debut new looks as well. So we'll see what happens. Do what we if, do we do we get the rope back, WH, or is it balloons? You know, it's so stupid. He he brings up the rope. He go, brings back the balloons. He switches back and forth. That that thing was so inconsistent from the t- from post G one. Like I I don't know. I'm thinking he's gonna wear the rope. I'm hoping mm-hmm. they go back to his old music. I hate that remix where it stops and it starts up again. I think it just kills the momentum of his entrance so much. So I'm hoping they change his music too. I I I kind of echo WH's thoughts, not so much on on the gear, but the the out the outline of this match. I think that Okada goes over in this match. I would be stunned uh, for Jay White to win, and I think that would signal that they are very fearful of losing uh, a top foreigner if Jay White were to win this. But I I don't see that happening at all um, at this Tokyo Dome. I think that Okada should be winning this match, to be honest. Uh, but I, I'm expecting this to be a, a marked improvement from last year's Dome. I think Jay White has quietly had a very good year and has come into his own with that character. And he was just put in a very difficult position. To me, Jay White was the example I use of why the Ring of Honor relationship to me was was not emphasized or at least utilized to its best ability. He should have been starting that character in Ring of Honor. And instead, he was thrown into this this square peg in a round hole having to become this character overnight and put into a Tokyo Dome match with Hiroshi Tanahashi that it just was almost a just an impossible situation given this this start character that no one associated with Jay White it was a very it, it took a while for him to become this switchblade character I don't even know if he's completely there but he's definitely much much further closer uh now than he was a year ago Chris Jericho, Tetsuya Naito for the Intercontinental title. Uh, Let's start with WH. And Chris Jericho wrestled a grand total of five matches in 2018. And three of them were for New Japan Pro Wrestling. If you were booking him throughout that year uh, to build for the Tokyo Dome, uh, is this the best utilization of Chris Jericho? Um, And what what have you thought about the, the limited, but I think you have to say effective, uh, use of Chris Jericho in 2018. I have to say that I respect the hell out of Chris Jericho as a worker. And I don't mean like in the ring. I mean like outside the ring, like the way he's able to like get these amazing deals for himself from New Japan with, he did, he promoted his cruise. He did the spot with all in. He, he built a nice relationship with like the, the, the elite. I think he's going to be part of this all elite wrestling as well. Um, but I, I, I don't know how I could book him better because like, he is a very unique person to book. Uh, I, I think he has to balance his music career with his wrestling career. And I, right now it seems like music has been his focus. So 
I don't see where he's going to do more dates for you outside of like the, the surprise appearances he made and like his own cruise. Um, I think, you know, ultimately I haven't been a huge fan of him being the IC champ. I think that could have been used better. Um, like, and, and it's not because like he's a part-timer uh, only because like Tetsuya Naito doesn't need the IC title. He has historically never cared about that belt. So I don't see what the point is of him having that belt. You could use that belt to like elevate someone else like evil or like you could have had Minoru Suzuki keep in had a much more interesting program with somebody else for that belt. So I'm just hoping like, you know, Tetsuya Naito is going to win the belt. I don't think Jericho is doing too much with New Japan going forward. Um, I think it's going to be the start of his big, you know, 2019, his big, you know, path towards 2020 Wrestle Kingdom and the main event. So, but I think the sooner you get the belt off of Jericho, the better, the sooner Tetsuya Naito drops that belt and frees himself up to become the heavyweight champion, that's better as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a hell of a brawl. I think this is going to be the wildest match on the show, though. Yeah, I th- I think that I really enjoyed the, their match at Dominion. It was very different from any of the other top matches at that show. And they were very smart about going uh, about it. I think Chris Jericho has managed his career super effectively. When you look at this guy is 48. And yes, he did five matches in 2018. It was still probably one of the more lucrative years of just his wrestling when you consider what his payoff would have been for the greatest Royal Rumble, what he has been able to get out of New Japan, where I think less has been more. I don't think Chris Jericho would be anywhere as effective if he was on every tour and would have worn out his welcome. Instead, he just being attached to someone, that that can be the draw in and of itself. Uh, I do see Naito winning this match as well, and I'm kind of curious to go back and rewatch that Dominion match and then see what they do different in this one because these are two very, very smart guys that I think you'll get many callbacks and a lot of creative stuff in this match. So uh, I- I'm pretty uh, pretty excited for this one. Way? Yeah, I mean, I think Jericho is somebody who recognizes that he has a ceiling in the WWE and that he wouldn't necessarily have those, you know, he's great in those storylines with like a Kevin Owens or whatever. But I think Vince McMahon only sees him as sort of like a, a an upper mid card player for the most part, where I feel like he recognizes that on outside of the WWE, he is very much considered a headliner. So I think he's played his cards incredibly well here. I, I, I think spending a whole half a year actually spending the entire year against naito even if it was in the, in the form of three matches obviously two and then one with the uh, uh evil just sort of as like a supplementary feud i feel like was a little too long for a chris jericho when i feel like there's you look at this this roster i feel like there's so many better combinations for a chris jericho i've not really been a fan of this feud those uh back and forth promos that they cut on each other to me have been very awkward i thought the run-in the latest run-in against Naito was just kind of really cookie-cutter and uninspired for Chris Jericho. Um, you know, even seeing a second match, I thought the first match was good, but I, I hardly feel like if you're going to have only so many Chris Jericho appearances that I feel like a Naito match would be kind of at the – a rematch would be at the top of my list. You know, you look at – like, you know, the, the likes of a, uh, of even Jericho versus Okada or Jericho versus even somebody like a Juice Robinson, who I feel like he would have had a better feud with, uh, at least, you know, cutting promos with. And I think, uh, Juice beating somebody like Jericho would be elevating him to a much greater international stage. So I, I, I think the match will be obviously great, but, uh, looking back at the year, I wouldn't say this was to me the best use of a Chris Jericho. I think you had to do the rematch because you had to get the win for Naito over Jericho. Like I always th- saw this sure. as at least a two match series. And I, I think for the dome, you, you want to have Naito and Jericho in really, really, uh, big matches. And, you know, just the way things worked, it was always gearing towards Okada and, and Jay White. But I will say this, that all those matches you list, I think are great ideas for Chris Jericho that I, I if I'm Chris Jericho, I don't know if leaving New Japan at this this time would be the best option. I think he is someone that is going to go to the highest bidder and go where he's most creatively fulfilled. And if that's working dates with 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 the Bucks and and crew, he'll do that. But I don't see this guy signing an exclusive contract anywhere, um, unless it's just such a ridiculous offer. But I 
see this guy being very much his own person that if he sees a potential with opponents in New Japan, he'll he'll stick around in New Japan. He is one of the more interesting pieces of the 2019 puzzle because he is valued very highly by the WWE and they do not want to see him going to a uh, competitor's television in North America and he he has a lot of leverage in 2019 because everyone is going to want this guy. I'll have to say one thing like if he stays, I I put him in Tanahashi at the Madison Square Garden as either the main event or the semi-main. Well, that takes us to the main event. And, you know, um, I'm sure Madison Square Garden will come up here because the way they book this main event will probably dictate what is going to headline that show in April over WrestleMania weekend. It is Kenny Omega and Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tanahashi for the IWGP heavyweight title. This will be Tanahashi's 10th uh, J- uh, main event on January the 4th. These two did have a singles match at the new beginning card, February the 14th of 2016. And that was when Omega won the vacant intercontinental title after Shinsuke Nakamura left. Uh, but since then, um, like that's their only singles match. And it's not like a remembered match. Uh, I think many people probably have no idea that they had a singles match, uh, just over, uh, just under three years ago. Let's start with you, Wei. Um, in terms of the Hiroshi Tanahashi story, uh, was this the the best direction for the main event? Uh, and as you were watching the G1, seeing uh, Tanahashi progress, uh, how did you feel that night at the finals going with Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, going for one more IWGP title? Yeah, I mean, I remember kind of back then, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, potentially uh, Omega versus Ibushi as as the Wrestle Kingdom thing. But obviously having them already having done it in the, the finals of that B block um, kind of wrote that off. Um, I, I it was, you know, this storyline Omega against Tanahashi was not something I really expected going into the G1. But coming out of it and I think seeing like the incredible uh, uh, groundswell of support for Hiroshi Tanah- Tanahashi throughout that G1 felt really special to me and i'm sure it was even more so for wh being in japan where i think uh you know the uh, tanahashi probably means a whole lot more to these people i certainly didn't expect this kind of like philosophical um uh uh feud you know based on uh just how, kind of how the two wrestle but i think it's been built like really well organically um and i'm kind of really curious to see how the how the resulting matchup will look like you know, uh, them talking about how philosophically their styles are very different. How is that going to look when the two of them are actually in the ring together? WH, has this match gotten uh, coverage that you've seen? Like, has it gone beyond just wrestling fans and, and the wrestling bubble? Like, do you sense that this is a, a match that uh, will attract um, maybe lapsed fans and, and non-wrestling fans? I think so. Tanahashi is like such a popular figure in the broader you know pop, pop culture of japan right now like he's he's winning all these polls like in like tokyo sports he he's won, he the weekly prores uh magazine just came out and he won pretty much all the popular like the popularity award he won the mvp award i think so you know like we talk about like you know you guys had your your best of and you know kenny omega did really well in those in those balloting but you have to remember that the main audience, the main market for New Japan is Japan. It's not America. It's not Canada. It's not Australia. It's not the UK. It's here in Japan. So, like, to me, like, Kenny's popularity in polls conducted by English-speaking podcasts and the fans of those over there. And I think I will always maintain that he's important for the expansion if they want to do that. I don't know what form the expansion is going to be taking because it's such a murky water, you know, like kind of situation. Like what do they want to be a touring company full time in the United States and Canada? I don't know. But Kenny Omega is important to the, for, for that business there. He's not important to the business in Japan because Naito is the flag bearer for the future, not Kenny Omega. It doesn't matter what, that he speaks Japanese fluently and he's in English, you know, he's and he's, he speaks English fluently. That's important for the U.S. market, for the, U, the the Canadian market, not for Japan. Naito is the guy for this market here, and that's it's always going to be 
the most important market. And here's the other thing about Kenny is that you know he's you know I've I've not been a big fan of him since he won the title because I think he started saying really stupid things in interviews. His promos aren't that good. Um, for me, like people say, oh, you're just a part of a vocal minority. Wh, like he's a super draw, and I'm like he's super popular in Japan. He's actually got a lot of like detractors because you know like we had Chris Charlton. He translates things from Japanese into English. There are people in Japan who translate things from English into Japanese. So when Kenny Omega says things like, oh, the Japanese wrestlers are lazy compared to me and the other foreign wrestlers. They don't work as hard as we do. That gets translated into Japanese. That gets disseminated into the fandom of of Japanese wrestling. Not just on Twitter, but also in the magazines and in the media. That gets put out there. When he says, when he does like, you know, I don't know, like silly thing. When he says like, I don't work though tag league because that's beneath me i i'm more important than that that gets just translated into japanese and disseminated to the wrestling fans so i don't think he's gonna keep him he's not keeping the belt because like i think he's run his course for this particular reign i I, if he stays in japan i can see him becoming the champion down the line again i can see him being a huge part of whatever their expansion plans are but for right now the story is tanahashi tanahashi is what Japan, Japanese fans want to see his philosophy about wrestling is what Japan's want, Japan fans want Japanese fans want to see in Japan in New Japan like he represents what is the modern version of strong style Kenny Omega does not he represents kind of like this foray into sports entertainment that I think most Japanese wrestling fans don't want to see they can appreciate Kenny but I don't think they want to see him represent their philosophy of wrestling but Tanahashi is what they want so i'm gonna go with tanahashi to win this match yeah well if that happens and tanahashi wins this and the predictions you know granted i'm sure we'll we'll get some uh different outcomes than predicted but if you do have a scenario where kenny omega and chris jericho and cody and the young bucks they all lose i think that's the story coming out of wrestle kingdom is going to be uh what what these guys futures are uh, with with New Japan or just the the overall uh, philosophical switch that you may be seeing going into 2019. Wait, what are your thoughts on on the main event and w- what you expect? I think this is certainly a match that you can argue uh, several outcomes of what is what is the best for New Japan's business. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi not winning this match. I think it's just uh, the end of a of a Really nicely told story. Um, I think Kenny Omega, as WH has lined out, really feels like kind of like the evil foreigner right now. And I think uh, Tanahashi, you know, taking it, um, you know, is the perfect cherry on top of like what has been a really great year for Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, coming out of it, I, I I see Kenny obviously joining, you know, All Elite. Uh, what that means Really hard to say without kind of knowing exactly what the plans of all elite wrestling are at the moment. So I think um, regardless, I think he will be a part of it. Will he stick around with New Japan? I'm sure he would love to. Um, but will New Japan be willing to take him on even if he is part of that other company? I would argue yes. I think Kenny Omega, I'd be, of all the people, I would be stunned if Kenny Omega does not have a, a New Japan affiliation um, in 2019. I mean, granted, there's... Lots of uh, curveballs that could come his way that just make it worth his while to depart. But I'd be I'd be very surprised uh, by that one with, with Kenny Omega. W- one final question: I want to just go around, starting with UWH. What do you see headlining Madison Square Garden, and like what kind of a match do you expect New Japan to send to that show for its IWGP title match? Um, for the IWGP title match, it'll be Tanahashi. So. If it's not Jericho, if he's not sticking around, then I'm going to say it's going to be Naito and Tanahashi. Um, I think that's the match where, you know, like a lot of people would want to see. I think Naito has the most popularity in the in the United States outside of like Kenny Omega. I think definitely he's the most popular of all the Japanese wrestlers in the United States. So I would do that. I'd have maybe the rematch of Osprey versus uh, Ibushi for the Never title on that show as well, if Ibushi's staying. That's the other thing we got to think about. Like, if Kenny goes, he might take Ibushi with him. 
you know, Kota Bushi never be. gets brought up in any of these discussions, and the assumption is just like, well, he's never going to sign a contract anywhere. But uh, you know, Kota Bushi is—he is 36, and I know that this is a guy that is uh, certainly goes, you know, to—he's very much a independent thinker when it comes to his career and how he assesses things, but. You're getting older, and I'm I'm certain that you know some of your philosophies at the age of thirty are not the same as when you're getting closer to forty. And I think Kota Bushi is an enormous piece that doesn't get discussed a lot about about where where he wants to be as as he's looking at you know what are going to be significant years in his career in the next two to three. If he signed that contract, he he would have been IWGP champion by now like at least had one reign under his belt and like i think his legacy in wrestling especially like in in terms of like say the wrestling observer hall of fame would be cemented i think that's always going to be something that holds him back from being seriously discussed as a shoe-in for those awards um yeah i don't know like his his relationship with kenny omega is obviously well documented and being very very strong like they're i think not only are they best friends but they're also like to some degree they have like business relationships with each other so we'll see um i don't think you know like if kenny megan wants to keep a japanese relationship there's nothing to say that he doesn't reignite his relationship with ddt i don't know what the parting of that was if it was amicable i think it was amicable i've never heard there being heat between kenny omega and ddt if like they want to say okay we want a japanese talent like a partnership with with somebody in with a part with a company in Japan, and we want to use talent from Japan on our shows. DDT has a very good roster of talented people, so like they they could broker that deal with them instead of keeping the one with New Japan. So I don't think Kenny Omega's options are just strictly New Japan. I think he has other options in Japan if he wants to still keep working here as well. Wait, what do you see being the uh, the title match at Madison Square Garden? Yeah. Uh- I mean, I think I think Tanahashi Naito is definitely a match that uh, they'll do probably in the coming year. I wonder if if uh, you know they'll be willing to give that one away for MSG show. I think just judging by like their track record, uh, you know, it feels like New Japan is not necessarily willing to give marquee matchups that could headline, for instance, at Dominion on U.S. soil. Despite this, of course, being MSG and and you know being their biggest U.S. show that they've ever co-promoted. Uh, but I think I I I feel like you could do like a Tanahashi Okada for the first time on U.S. soil. It's a match that you know it certainly is is a marquee match, but it's a match that Japanese audiences have seen numerous times. Whereas in North America, it still feels fresh. In MSG, it feels fresh. So I think you could do that, and that's of course you know uh, if a Chris Jericho and a Kenny Omega don't continue to uh, stay with the company, because I would go with Jericho versus Tanahashi, if that was the case. I really like the idea of doing Tanahashi Okada. I think it, just coming off this year, I think it's a perfect uh, title defense to do um, for, for that show. But I'm also very curious to see how big of a priority this Madison Square Garden show is for New Japan. Like, do they treat it as uh, this is uh, this is the holy grail of arenas and we want to send the, the biggest match possible to them? Or is it something that it's... You know, it's it's more ROH's show than us, and we're going to send a show that's, you know, conservative, and we're leaving the big matches are here in Japan. So that'll be something very interesting to watch. I think that the booking of this show is going to be so intriguing, and coming out of it, uh, people are going to be trying to draw conclusions of where all these important power players are going to be ending up, but... You could very much have a situation where it's a big statement at the end. If you have your big three, Okada, Naito, and Tanahashi having their arms raised in those final three matches as kind of a signal that these are, this is our triangle. These are our, our pillars going into 2019, which may be very different than 2018 was for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, WH, you will be at the show. So have a great time and we'll definitely chat with you uh, at some point afterwards. And of course, there's New Year's Dash the following day and Half of the U.S. wrestling population are getting onto airplanes to go to this event. I think I'm meeting like uh, 10% of them on uh, January 4th and maybe some of them on uh, January 3rd. So I hope Dave Meltzer shows up for, for the big WH brunch. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd love to meet Dave. I have, I've never met him. I think the closest I got, he came to promote tributes in Toronto. I think it was at O'Grady's. But for whatever reason, I don't believe I was there. I 
yeah, I, for some reason, I didn't get to go to that particular Monday night at O'Grady. So it would be nice to meet him. Yeah, sure. I I'm, think I'm going to meet Mark Ramundi, maybe. Oh, great. I, I've been talking with him. I'm meeting, I'm hanging out with Chris Harrington from WrestleNomics. Of course, I'm doing the brunch with Joel Abraham from the Super J cast and just a bunch of other people who've like contacted me from, you know, listeners of the of post wrestling have contacted me saying, oh, I'm going to be there. Like, oh, great. Like, so, yeah, so just so people, for people who are coming to, you know, Tokyo Dome January 4th, we're going to have a, a brunch at 11 a.m. before the show at TGIFs, which is right next to Cork and Hall in Tokyo Dome City. Uh, you can Google it. It's very easy to find. I'm doing that with Joel Abraham of the Super J cast over at Voices of Wrestling. That's going to be fun. Um, might do something after with a group of people, but that's probably more like a play by ear. So there might be a post-Wrestle Kingdom, post-wrestling party. We'll see. I'm I'm just keeping that kind of low key, and like whoever's at the brunch, I'll I'll invite people from there. So, and wait, just to end things off, this is Wrestle Kingdom week here at at Post Wrestling. Do you want to just give out uh, the shows that we still have coming up this week, including our Wrestle Kingdom review? Absolutely, yeah. So you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, which means yesterday we just released Chris Charlton's second last edition of the Eggshells podcast campaign covering 2017. Uh, so it's a perfect time to just kind of catch up with everything that's uh, that that Wrestle Kingdom and, and the Tokyo Dome has offered leading up to Friday. Uh, so of course tomorrow we've got our combined Rewind to Raw and Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, that John and I will be doing on the main feed. And then on Thursday, it is Chris Charlton's final edition of Eggshells. It's been quite the run, but uh, we, we we end things off with, uh, of course, 2018 and last year's show. All the way leading up to Friday, where John Pollock and myself on the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon, patreon.com slash postwrestling, we will be giving you our Wrestle Kingdom 13 review as soon as uh, the event ends. Is that the plan right now, John? Yes. So we'll be watching that live and then recording right after and then getting that right up there in the afternoon for uh, for our audiences. So sign up, patreon.com slash postwrestling. Uh, $6 a month gets you a bunch of bonus shows, including this one. Perfect. And we'll also have a show after New Year's Dash, which is always a very eventful show as well uh, that is going down. So I want to thank WH Park as well as Wei Ting for joining me. Uh, enjoy Wrestle Kingdom. And we look forward to everyone's feedback uh, coming out of the show, which is going down on Friday. <laughs>